0: Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy, the podcast that empowers you to transform life's challenges into opportunities for personal growth and healthier relationships. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts.
1: As experienced therapists with backgrounds in addressing trauma and mental health disorders, we believe there is hope and there certainly is healing.
0: We've spent our lives supporting people through the ups and downs, and we want to share these insights with you. Together, we'll unravel the layers of personal growth healing from trauma, and building healthy relationships. Each week, we'll bring you engaging conversations, expert insights, and practical strategies to help you heal from the past, foster healthy communication, and develop enduring love.
1: This podcast is your guide to transforming adversity into triumph, healing wounds and past trauma, gaining wisdom and insight, and creating meaningful, fulfilling connections. So if you're here to heal, to better understand yourself or your relationships, you're in the right place. So sit back, get comfortable,
0: bring your trauma and your drama,
1: and let's start healing. Welcome Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy podcast. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Today we're going to be doing part two of seven lessons that we've learned doing escape rooms and how that can be applied to your relationships. So if you haven't already listened to the first episode, go back and listen to that, and then join us over here as we finish off that list. But before we jump into today's episode, if you haven't already written a review for our podcast, it would mean the world to us if you just took a couple minutes and left a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. We read every single review, and we are so thankful for each of you out there that have already done that. But that is the best way to help us to get this message out to people that need it. All right, you guys, let's jump into today's episode.
0: So the next thing we want to talk about is being bold. It is actually very funny. We were doing this one escape room where we had to defuse a bomb, and we just got the bomb revealed. And right in the place where the bomb was, there were some wire cutters. Now, we've done a ton of escape rooms in the past, and in none of the escape rooms have we ever actually had to cut something. As a matter of fact, Lots of escape rooms are always like, hey, you got to be careful, don't damage things, don't break things, don't pull on them too hard. And so we saw it, and the answer right there was so obvious what we were supposed to do. We're diffusing a bomb, there's wire cutters here, there's a wire right there, and we paused and we waited. Actually, we kind of were sitting there like, debating hey should we actually cut this wire or shouldn't we cut this wire that the game master said hey do you guys see some wire cutters and do you see a wire here there right and so a part of it was so obvious but we weren't being bold with what we knew was the thing we probably were supposed to be doing which was to just cut the wire with the wire cutters and i think a lot of times in our relationships we're just not bold as a matter of fact this is an area where people are not bold at all it comes down to intimate time with their spouse They're afraid or uncomfortable of asking because they're afraid to get rejected. But when you don't ask, you're guaranteed going to be rejected. It's an absolute no if you don't try. But then if you do try, you might get rejected. But you also have the possibility of it working out, of it going the direction that you want it to.
1: Yeah, and I think another area of being bold is just when you know that there's a conversation to be had and you are afraid to bring it up, whether it's rejection or to start a fight, and it is important to be bold in your relationship and to bring things up along the way so that they don't get swept under the rug or they don't become a bigger deal and escalate unnecessarily. If you can be bold enough to take things as they come and bring it up, and part of that is having a relationship that's safe. And if you have that type of relationship, it's much easier to be bold and to be brave and to bring up different conversations because you're not afraid of a huge blow up. Or some kind of backlash, but how to get there really is to start small and not allow things to get so big and to wait and wait and wait until they explode.
0: Oh, for sure. Because when you wait and then you explode, you're guaranteed it's going to go wrong, versus if you try to bring it up when you're not as upset, you haven't been holding on to it, the conversation could still go poorly, but you actually have the option of it going well. So, same thing we were talking about intimacy when you're bold. You have the opportunity for it to go well, but if you're not bold, you don't do anything about it. You're guaranteed it's going to go poorly, or you're guaranteed nothing's going to get better in that situation. And so when I look at situations like that, for me, it's like there's only one obvious choice. You have to go with the one that comes with some level of risk, but has the possibility of a good outcome, because the other one has no possibility of a good outcome. But Don't get me wrong, that fear of rejection is a real thing and it's not fun to get rejected or it's not fun when you're trying to bring up something that you're unhappy about and then it turns into a big conflict with your partner and you didn't intend it to or you're just trying to get something off of your chest. But when those situations go poorly, if you view that as, hey, this didn't go right, so now we got to learn better how we can talk through these things as opposed to the other alternative, which is, hey, this didn't go well, so I'm not going to try that again. That's not the good lesson to learn because then you're dooming yourself to having this unhealthy dynamic where you're stuffing your feelings and then getting into a cycle of blowing up every now and again when you can't stuff it anymore. And so the good option is again, trying to confront it. And then when it doesn't go well, dissecting it and trying to figure out how can I do this differently? Or how can we do this differently so that it is better, but having that boldness and that willingness to jump in and give it a try.
1: And that happened even today when we were getting ready to do our family workout and we were going downstairs. I was getting up the kitchen and I asked him to do something and he said something back to me that I kind of sat with and I started getting frustrated with and I really did try to think of and give him the benefit of the doubt and think, you know, he was probably just joking with this, but it didn't make me feel good. And so I could have easily just been quiet, held on to that, gone to the family workout, been quiet during the workout. But instead, he came back up to check on me because I wasn't downstairs yet for the workout. And immediately I told him like, hey, when you said this, I was able to talk to him about it and address it right then and there. And when you hear that, you don't necessarily think, oh my gosh, she was being so bold. But we're really trying to have our marriage be one where as problems arise, we address it. Because it's so easy for those seeds of resentment and bitterness to begin to take root and then something else happens that maybe is similar and then that waters it more and something else happens and that adds more water to it. And this bitterness and resentment just begins to grow. But instead, we addressed it right away and he said something like, oh my gosh, I was totally joking. I did not mean that by any means. And he apologized if it hurt me in any way. And so we were able just to nip that in the bud and take care of that. And it wasn't something that was just now swept under the rug to be able to build and build and be added to.
0: And again, the situation was a relatively minor conflict and it was over a relatively minor issue. But us just trying to ignore that or sweep that under the rug, that builds up for another conflict to be bigger later versus we took the time, we diffused it, even though it seemed like it should be like a small or nothing issue. But taking the time to diffuse it guarantees it's not going to be a problem later. But if you don't deal with it, it's guaranteed to enhance a problem in the future. Number five is to think outside of the box. And when you're doing an escape room, they're obviously putting in things that are supposed to be confusing, that have minimal amounts of information in order for you to figure something out. But also inside of your relationship, especially if you're going through this regular tense exchange, being able to stop and think, how can I do this differently? What could I change, or how could I change this up to see if I can get a different result or a different outcome? So we did this one escape room where we got these lasers and they were different colors, and then we were able to kind of figure out that, okay, these lasers go to the paintings across the room. That was just a clue pointing us in the right direction. The next thing we had to do really required some out-of-the-box thinking, and it was these lasers were pointing to these different paintings of butterflies and then you were supposed to count the number of dots on the butterfly wings in order to figure out the numbers to a code on a lock now that was some real thinking outside the box that was there definitely was like a minimalistic amount of information to point us that direction but in order to solve that you just have to stop and look and say okay I'm looking at this thing what's something that I can notice about these things that's different How can I take or gather any type or or level of information from this situation that then I can use to help solve a problem? And in your relationships with your kids, with your extended family, with your spouse, with coworkers, thinking outside of the box can oftentimes solve a lot of problems for you. But it's very easy for you to get stuck on a certain pattern of behavior because that's what you've always done. As a matter of fact, the more frequently you've done that pattern of behavior, You start creating more and more neural networks that reinforce that pattern of behavior. And so it can actually be very difficult sometimes to get your mind to think outside of the box and to come up with a new solution when you have this other behavioral pattern that you've been practicing over and over again. Even if you don't like the result, it still can be very difficult to jump out of that and then try something new.
1: And the next one goes right alongside that. Number six is to be open to solutions from others. And so as much as you have to think outside of the box, you also have to be open to solutions that are not your own and kind of brainstorm and be able to throw out ideas that maybe initially you would just kind of throw away if it was just you. But especially in this escape room, there are puzzles that had several connecting pieces where one painting connected to a map, which then that map connected to the dates on wine bottles. And it would be so easy in that room for someone to say something and be like, no, that doesn't make sense. That's not going to connect. But especially in these escape rooms, the answers and the solutions are wild sometimes. Like we had one solution that we just could not figure out and we could not get. And this is when we were with our friends and we had all of our kids around and it was a big piece of it. It turned out to be a number lock, but we could not get it.
0: Oh, yeah. There's this point where there are handprints on the wall, and you're supposed to put your hands on the wall, and then sometimes it gave a description like, oh, the knees were funnily bent, and we were doing all these different things, and we were just looking at it, and it was just super hard. We couldn't really figure out what was going on with it, but eventually what it ended up being was that your body was actually taking the shape of numbers, but we were looking so closely at what was going on with the hands, and the hands were on this letter, and What does the letters on the hands mean? But that wasn't really the thing. What we're supposed to be watching is the person who's putting their hands on the letter that they're actually turning into numbers. And so in these types of situations, being open to suggestions from others, hey, maybe it's this, hey, maybe it's this, can help put your mind into a different perspective that can help you then solve that problem that you weren't able to solve. But if you're so transfixed on, hey, I think this is the solution, even though it's not working, it's not working, it's not working, then you're actually stifling yourself. And it's actually really interesting. I was just watching this clip from the movie Oppenheimer. They were doing the math behind if they could actually create a nuclear explosion. And they had just found out that Germany was able to split the atom. And they're like, that's impossible. They couldn't have done it. And then they're all running through the math at the same time. But then this one guy, instead of doing the math, he did a little bit of application and then was able to find out, oh, actually, I can see, I can observe it right here on this instrument. It's showing me that this is actually happening. And then as soon as they found out that this was possible, then they shifted their mindset and then they started thinking, okay, because it's possible, what must be happening in order for this to be true? Even though the math or the theory behind that they couldn't do it was correct, when you actually applied it and then it was actually happening a different way than the theory, then it opened up, oh, we need to change the theory. What else could be happening here that's different? So getting too stuck on like, hey, this is logical and it should work out this way because this is logical is a problem because just because you have a logical line of thinking does not mean that it's a guarantee that it's going to get you the right outcome at the end of the day. Sometimes you might be missing a vital piece of information that creates a major flaw in your logic.
1: Oh, yeah. And I see couples get stuck in this all the time where they are not open to the solutions from others. They want to appear as if they are, but a lot of times I'll see couples and they'll be talking about, you know, this is the issue and this is the outcome I want and this is the outcome he wants. And we begin to talk about and brainstorm different solutions and different ways we can go about the problem. And sometimes you'll have one person who just is set on their solution. This is my solution. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to think about other options. I'm not even going to be open to other options. And so that gets them nowhere, they're stuck, there's nothing we can do except for that other person to kind of bow down and just say, okay, you can have it your way again, which may work for that disagreement and maybe they can kind of lay down and allow their spouse to win that time. But when that happens over and over and over again and it's just one person constantly bowing down to the other person because that person is not open to suggestions or to compromises, then that's gonna get really old and really tiresome for the other spouse. And that's not gonna last long in the health of your relationship. And so I've seen many couples where we have together come up with such great solutions and such great options and ideas, and it just gets shut down because that person is like, nope, this is a solution, this is what's gonna happen, this is what I want, and there's no budging. There's no selflessness, there's no looking out for the other person. And that's what you want in a relationship is you want a relationship where you aren't looking out for yourself. You're not looking out for what can I get? Why are they not giving me love? Why aren't they meeting my love language? Why aren't they filling my love bank? But you want a relationship where both of you are looking on how can I serve the other person? How can I fill up their love bank? How can I use their love language to serve them? And when you get that, you have such a beautiful marriage because you have two people who are looking out for the other person, and it's not each kind of grabbing what they need for their own. And so that really is important in escape rooms to be able to be open to solutions from others, but also in your own relationships. And we even do that with our kids. So when we're talking about different podcast ideas, like today's one, we went to the escape room with the kids. So as we were talking about lessons we learned and coming up with the outline for today, we asked the kids, hey, what are some lessons you guys learned from this escape room? And each of them came up with a couple really good ones and we didn't use it all, but it was fun because they felt like they were contributing and they did have some really good ideas. And we did the same with the names of our podcast When we were trying to come up with our podcast name and the name of our coaching business, Coaching with Truth, we always asked the kids. And I have a list on my phone of some of the sweetest names that they came up with, some of the most hilarious names that they came up with, some of the most out-of-the-box names that they came up with. And when we look through it, we laugh because it was so fun to be able to do it with the kids and involve them and get different ideas from them. As parents, that's another tool. Ask your kids for solutions and for options and for ideas because they have great ideas. And just one quick example for this is Even with consequences, as you're setting up a rule, being able to ask them, okay, if this rule gets broken, what should be the consequences for it? And that's a great idea to involve them in it because when you do have to enact the consequences, they'll probably be a little more open to it because they know that they're also a part in naming it.
0: All right, the last one we're going to talk about, number seven, is getting rid of your ego. When you're going through an escape room, it is designed to make it difficult to solve. It's designed to make you think really outside of the box. And it's designed so you can't just look at it and simply figure out the solution very easy. And so when you're going through this, there's lots of times where you're going to make mistakes or you're going to misinterpret information, you're going to get the wrong answer. And I remember in particular, in one of the escape rooms we were doing with our friends, we were supposed to match these flags with numbers that were on a screen, but you had to wear glasses to be able to read what was on the screen. And people had to describe the flag to you because the person who was at the screen couldn't see the flags. And so I'm sitting there trying to read the screen and people are describing to me the flags and I have to find what numbers they correspond to. And I give somebody else the numbers that they're writing down because it's a passcode. We get the passcode from the flags, but then it's wrong. Instead of me going back to trying to read it, I just assume like, okay, I made some mistake. I don't know what mistake I made here. Somebody else look at it and they may look at it and they may get a different result as opposed to I could be stubborn and go back and then keep making and say, no, that's the number. But then we're wasting time and we're not getting any closer to the end goal, right? I gave it a shot and then I had somebody else take a look at it and then they found the one that I had messed up and then boom, that was the last thing we had to solve before we got out of the room. But People all the time, especially in relationships, get a big ego about things, and pride gets in the way, and they don't want to admit that they're wrong, or they don't want to allow their partner to be right, and that creates a major problem for the couple, because your partner could be right, and maybe you were really holding on to this other idea, and it's just not working out. Well, going back again to the first idea, what's our end goal? Right? Our end goal is we want to have a happy marriage. We want to raise good kids. We want to have a good, healthy work environment or the escape room. We want to be able to escape. And our egos, a lot of times, can get in the way of that. They keep us from progressing forward because we have this idea and we want our idea to be right. But that's not the end goal. We shouldn't want our idea to be right. We should want to figure out what's the thing that works correctly. And you might be really attached to this parenting philosophy and you're trying this parenting philosophy, and you're not seeming to get very good results with your kids, they're not listening, they're being disobedient, they're being rowdy, they're being loud, well, let go of that ego and try something else, and it might work. And especially with us, we have five kids, and I'll tell you, we have a general parenting philosophy, but each one of those children gets a little bit of a different bent, because there's no one-size-fits-all for parenting. But if you have a very big ego about it, and you're like, well, this worked for this kid. And so I'm going to make it work for this kid. And you're trying to force this very specific parenting style that worked with one, but isn't working with the other. But then you're like, why is it not working? Well, they're just being resistant. Well, no, maybe the specifics that you're doing with them aren't working. Don't have such ego about it. Be willing to walk back and say, let me try to rework it a little bit. Not necessarily start off by throwing out the entire parenting philosophy, but saying, okay, I'm going to see if I can rework or fine tune it a little bit specifically for this child to see if I can get it to work.
1: And this is actually the idea that really made us think of this podcast episode. Because when we went into these escape rooms, before this, we had never done an escape room with just two of us. But then we did three. And one of the things that I think really made a big difference was that we got rid of our ego. And if I tried a lock and I couldn't do it, I would say, hey, Tim, can you come and try this? Whereas I think early on when we did escape rooms, I remember doing it with a bunch of friends. And I, even back then, really loved it. But I remember feeling like specific locks, if I couldn't get it done, and then Tim was like, hey, let me try, let me try. I'd be like, no, 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 let me try a little more. And I'd really try to do it. And I don't know if it was because I felt like, oh, if he does it, then I'll feel dumb or I won't feel like I contributed. But I do remember being a little defensive or a little protective over each puzzle as we went because of my own insecurities. Whereas when we went into these other escape rooms that we just did for every single one of them, we had the perspective, like he says that ties into number one, remembering your end goal, is that our end goal is to escape from this room. And it's not for me to get more puzzles than him. So it really didn't matter to me. And I think in addition to allowing him to come in try the lock or try the different codes, it's not even being willing to, but asking for that help because then it allows him to feel more comfortable to come over here and, you know, work on it. And it's the same thing in your marriage where maybe you're struggling in one area and maybe you're willing to let them share their thoughts or their opinions or their solutions But there's even another level up when you ask for that advice and you say, hey, Ruth, can you come over here and look at these Google ads? I kind of need help. That allows me the freedom to truly come and sit down and look through it rather than looking over his shoulder and feeling like, oh, maybe I'm bothering him by looking at it or me reaching for the mouse while he's still doing it. It's totally different because we're working as a team, right? Number one, remember your end goal. Number two, teamwork. And again, I see that a lot in couples counseling. A lot of times, it's pride. It is their ego and their pride that stops them from coming to a solution and being on the same page. And you have to remember that is your end goal, to work together as a team to get through whatever situation you're in. It's not to be the one to show them, oh, that I know this. But it truly was so fun and so safe to be able to go into these escape rooms knowing that, okay, we're together as a team. We're going to figure this out. Oh man, I can't do this. Can you come take a look at this? I think it's these numbers, but it might be these numbers. Can you double check my math on this? And getting rid of your ego really does allow you to work together as a team. So as we close out this episode, let me just recap what the seven lessons that we learned from our escape room experiences and how they can apply to your relationships. Number one, remember your end goal. Number two, work as a team. Number three, play to your strengths. Number four, be bold. Number five, think outside of the box. Number six, be open to solutions from others. And number seven, get rid of your ego. All right, you guys, I hope that that was helpful to you. Have a great day. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and found it helpful. If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with a friend? Also, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It lights us up to know that this podcast is helping you.
0: If you have any questions or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group. Just click the link in the description below. Although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. If you are struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or feeling hopeless or suicidal, you are not alone. Help is available. Please seek professional help or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988.
1: Thank you again for joining us on Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Remember, there's always hope and there's always help.